Pete McMurray in the Skyline Studios. Over the past 12 days, we've seen protests all over the United States for the death of George Floyd and generations of injustice. I wanted to start the show with our first guest. I saw him on the uh, Tonight Show this week. I was so moved by his appearance. I was touched by the words. I wanted to act and I wanted to have him on the show today to talk about that. He is the national president of the NAACP. It is Derek Johnson. Derek, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Derek, today's show is about understanding and trying to heal. We are having uh, peaceful protests downtown as we speak. People are looking for answers. They're angry. They're feeling hopeless. Where do we start with this? Uh, We start by preparing to march to the polls in November. Uh, the level of civility, the level of care for one's neighbor, uh, if we ever build it, we lost it. Uh, we are one nation. We have to operate as one nation. Therefore, we have to treat our neighbors as if we are one nation. Uh, this is that opportunity. This is that real juncture where many of us have to take, make some decisions. Do we love our neighbor as commanded, or are we going to continue to operate as a divided state of America. And we cannot continue the way we are going. Derek, we opened the show today and we asked people, what are you feeling? What have you learned this week? What are you feeling as the president, the national president of the NAACP? And what have you learned this week? Well, I'm feeling a sense of urgency. I'm feeling a sense of hope. Uh, When I look at the protesters across the country, I see diversity. I see young, old, male, female, uh, multiple races, black, white, Asian, uh, Latino. I see hope. I see opportunity, but I see urgency that we cannot allow this to be a moment that we, uh, you know, rise up in a week and then next week there's something else uh, being said to divert our attention. This level of energy, of concern, of focus, we need to carry out to November. And let's be clear that. This is not a partisan issue. This is an issue of our democracy. This is an issue about civility. This is an issue to address the systemic question that has faced this country for far too long. Are we going to continue to allow others to create otherness, to divide us, to exploit us, to ride our emotions into and ways in which we start operating against our interests? Or are we going to stand up as a collective whole to push forward to ensure equal protection of the law is afforded to all citizens, to make sure that public policy reflects the values we would like to see displayed in our households, in our neighborhoods, and in society? We're uh, speaking with Derek Johnson, the national president of the NAACP. You just said it right there. There's a huge opportunity right now. There's a big window where people need to learn um, where they want change. Where do they start? Where do we start here? You know, again, public policy change start with elected officials, policymakers sitting in the seat who have a value alignment not aligned with large corporation profit margins, not aligned with party affiliations that are divisive, but a value proposition. So we have to make sure in November we put policymakers in seats to make public policy to reflect our value, but 
if we, if, because if we don't, we will have policymakers sitting in those seats who are going to carry the values of the corporate or political interests that, that, that still dominate far too much of the conversation. If we care about our elderly, if we want to prepare our future for our young people, yep. and if we have a value protecting the right of the disadvantaged, that's what we must do. Derek, you said something on uh, Jimmy Fallon this week that white people should be talking to white people about racism. Can you expand on that? You know, far too often uh, there's this outpour of compassion, and it's appreciated, it's needed. But that compassion can be followed up with some tangible actions within one's comfort zone. And that comfort zone is talking to your neighbor about racism. What does it really mean to continue to live in a structurally racist society? Are we really maximizing the opportunity this nation has? Can you imagine a world without the voice of Aretha Franklin or without a cell phone? The major component was uh, uh, created by an African-American that no one knows. Right. We need to maximize all the gifts that we bring to the table and not ghettoize one community over another. That only starts when neighbor talks to neighbor. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Derek Johnson. He is the national president of the NAACP. Um, Social media now is mainstream media. All over Twitter this morning, I was looking at it right before the show, anti-racism. That's the new buzzwords on social media. Um, What does that mean, and what does that mean to people? Well, anti-racism is different from being uh, against. Anti-racism means that we're going to start taking affirmative actions to eliminate racism. We're going to start doing things and calling it out when it exists. So we're going to start operating as a unified voice to ensure those who represent us and the adoption of public policy reflect an anti-racist lens so we're not carrying over legacy structural racism. It is also the same reality in in the private space that corporations and businesses that we, we operate with, that they begin to operate with a clear lens around how are we implementing public and private pro- uh, uh, policy so is not having a desperate impact on African Americans or Latino or women or the LGBT community right. or Polish or you name the classification that at some point in history had to face levels of discrimination. Almost all of us are in this country because we were being belittled, uh, benign, or marginalized from the country we came from. Almost all of us. Right. Yeah. We so can... we, sh- we shouldn't adopt the attitudes from those who oppress all of us somewhere and then implement it here. Absolutely. Derek, I have a uh, 14-year-old son uh, we've been watching the news together. We've had an open dialogue, and we've we've asked him to ask us questions every single night when we sit down for dinner. We're having the conversation, the open dialogue. That is so important as parents to talk to our children, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I have five wonderful children. Uh, we engage all day dialogue, challenge, and and my wife, uh, who's a great mother. Uh, really force them to be critical thinkers. And that's something that we're missing in this nation. We don't have enough critical thinking. And the only way we build more critical thinkers is have those dialogues at home 
but support quality education in a formalized way. Because if we have people who simply uh, consume news content and then react based on that, we become robots Mm -hmm. and we end up operating against our interests. But the more we talk to one another, our family, but but particularly our children, the, the stronger they become as critical thinkers. Right. And that's what we need more of. And I think we need to ask ourselves questions. Um, you know, in the last in the last week, we've seen uh, protests, we've seen riots, we've seen looting all over the United States. Does this remind you of the civil rights movement in the late '60s? You know, a bunch of civil rights movement. I wasn't born, but it, I've talked to many of the veterans of the movement, and as they are as pleased to see the level of energy, they're also concerned with how to sustain the energy towards an outcome. And so much of my language oftentimes would be based on outcome. I'm not the first to say that's smart to demonstrate, but I'm always will be the person in the room, what's the outcome we're trying to achieve out of the marches and demonstrations? Right, right. And so that's where we need to make sure we land and we stay there. What's the outcome? It is a beautiful thing to see the raising up of voices when injustice is so visibly clear. It's a beautiful thing when you see people align and community uh, uh, align, and we are raising the same concern. But the, the the disappointing thing that can come out of this, there is no outcome. Right. The change, what we obviously see is a problem. you got to think about the end game. On the phone with us, the national president of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, Patrick Kane from the Blackhawks released a statement yesterday. He said racism and injustice in our country must end as a white male in this society. I will never truly understand, but I want to help in this fight for change. Having athletes speak out, especially a star white athlete here in Chicago. How much does that help the cause? Tremendously. It goes back to the, the previous questions. Communities have to talk to, among themselves, and all of us sometimes are looking for that validating voice. All of us sometimes are looking for, uh, you know, uh, the level setting, at, am I doing this correct? What is the next person doing? For African Americans, we have long uh, depended upon and relied on uh, professionals, whether they're athletes or entertainers, to utilize their platform to further social justice. That's a part of our legacy. That's a part of our history. And in many cases, that's a part of their obligation. Some take it up, take that obligation up, some don't. But that's the expectation. That should be across the board. I, I use the example uh, with Jimmy Fallon, and I'm not on air, about the power of, of his platform, the power of celebrity platforms. An example I used was during the civil rights movement, particularly in Mississippi, Harry Belafonte enlisted early on to support. But what Harry Belafonte did, which was dynamic, he went and got his counterparts in the industry to join in, like Bob Dylan, like Marlon Brando, Mm -hmm. and many others, to help highlight the injustice as those who are on the ground who are risking their lives drive uh, the the direct strategy towards the outcome. It is really important that uh, individuals use their platforms. I agree. I agree 100%. They got to put their money where their mouth is. His last line was, I want to help in the fight for change. Well, Patrick Kane, this is your chance because if they see Patrick Kane helping 
and they're fans of Patrick Kane, those people are going to want to help and say, wow, if Patrick Kane's doing it, maybe I should get on board. There's something there. There's a message there. That's right. I mean, you know, NAACP, 111 years old. Part of our founding was the result of a race riot in Springfield, Illinois, not too far from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And what happened was a group of whites who say, wait a minute, this cannot be a democracy if there are public lynchings in the street and race riots. We need to address this. And some of those founders were Jewish. They understood what persecution looked like. And they decided to call on a group of blacks who had already been organizing, W.B. Du Bois and Ida B. Wells, and those black and white and male and females came together to try a course that created NAACP. We all have a role in making this democracy work. And that role is to try and work together to pave the way for decency, right. for civility, for understanding. Derek, who's there to protect the African-American community if there's no trust with the police? How do you gain that trust back? How do you break that cycle of mistrust and violence? You know, truth be told, it's a community, community, a reality. Some communities have high trust of law enforcement because the leadership of the law enforcement agencies actually live in the communities they serve. They are part of the communities they serve. There is an ongoing relationship and dialogue and participation. I watched a video in Flint, Michigan, where the county sheriff went to the march, and the marchers obviously knew him and the deputies, and he said, we don't have any batons. We just come out here to watch and talk, and people clap, and they say, join us, join us. And the sheriff deputies and the marchers all marched together. Mm-hmm. That's called relationship. I grew up in Detroit, 10 minutes from Windsor, Canada. And I can recall many, many nights with the high school students looking for a good place to hang out. We would go across the uh, bridge or under the tunnel to go to Windsor. And it was, the feeling was so different because the police there, they didn't carry guns. You could tell they were there. They knew the people. They, for those of us who came to Detroit, they watched. But over time, they began to know who we were as well. And it was always peaceful because the relationship between the police and the community was the type of relationship where there was respect. Right. And those police officers lived in the communities they served. I think uh, Superintendent David Brown, who just took the job right before the pandemic, I think he's trying to bridge that gap here in Chicago. I think he's trying to gain the trust of the African-American community here in the city. I hope it works. Um, I do. Well, it's a uh, time will tell. Right. And, you know, in some cities, some areas, there's a higher hurdle to uh, get over because there's systemic distrust. There's been systemic problems with police and African-American community. And Chicago is one of those cities. There's a legacy problem that at some point we have to turn the corner on and address. Right. Yeah, definitely. As the president of the NAACP, you have five kids, you said. What are you, what are you telling your children the last 12 days after George Floyd's murder? We, 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 we talk about it. We listen to it. It's, is nothing that I'm telling them. It's a lot of me listening to them. As we navigate the conversation, I provide historical context. I provide political context. I try to give perspective. 
I leave them room to question. And and so it's been a it's been a wonderful journey. I have uh, my 20 year old who had to come back to college, and my 18 year old who just graduated from high school. You know, many of their friends are are participating in a march today. Uh, and they have that option, and they decided to support the march but not go to the march because we we are still under a health pandemic. Right. And I'm concerned with the outcome of marchers over the next uh, two to three weeks because I hate the fact that uh, this virus is going to continue to spread. And the reason why we have the virus, which is, is turned our economy upside down, is because of, of bad public policy. And uh, coupled with an anemic response, you cannot have a national health crisis uh, without a federal response. That's unheard of. And so we're going to have to weather this health crisis for probably another year and a half before uh, we see any true daylight with a virus. I mean, with uh, with a cure. We have uh, Cardinal Blaise Supich, who is, excuse me, we have the Cardinal on coming up next, who has been such a calming voice here in Chicago this week. Is there a message for him that I can pass on or Senator Dick Durbin, who's going to be on right after two o'clock from you to them? So so that's an interesting question. You asked me what I'm going to tell the Cardinal. I I don't ask the Cardinal to pray for me. (laughs) (laughs) Derek, I ask him that every single time he's on the show. Um, so just ask the Cardinal to pray for you. That's all you want? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think ask the Cardinal to pray for us all yeah. uh, and to make sure that uh, we understand those two great commandments. Love thy neighbor with all thy mind and thy heart. And, I mean, love the God with all thy mind and thy heart and love thy neighbor. Right, right. And, you know, and those are the great commandments. Everything else in the Bible supports those two great commandments. And, and unfortunately, we don't always hold you hold up those two great commandments, but we must. We must. That, that's so true. Um, I didn't know anything about you until I saw you on the Tonight Show this week, and I definitely want to have you back on the show. You have such a great message and a calming voice, but calming yet positive. Do you get that a lot? Uh, that's when I'm not using the four-letter words alone on the playground, absolutely. But, I, you know, I am... Blessed to be in the seat, and it's my job to do all I can to unify people, but yet be honest and clear about the needs and interests of the community I represent. Got it. And, and that's the most important thing any of us uh, must do: be open, be honest, yep. represent the needs and interests of those who lack the voice to speak for themselves. Derek, we'll talk again soon. The Cardinal is uh, coming up next. I'll tell him you said hello and to uh, pray for you. Thank you. All right. That's Derek Johnson, everybody, the national president of the NAACP. All right. I'm going to take a quick break here, and we'll we'll talk to the uh, Cardinal coming up next. It's 720 WGN.